Hello, this is Coach Tim Campbell, and I'm your host for the Self Made is a Myth, Make a Difference Together show, where we're talking with successful business owners to hear their stories of the journey to building their business. And because we know that success in business is not something that we can do on our own, we're taking some time to recognize and celebrate the folks who have helped us uh, along our journey. Today, I'm excited to have a fellow business owner from Indiana with us today. My guest is a uh, a 2002 MAC champion in pole vault for uh, Ball State. We'll learn a little bit more about that here in a minute. He enjoys time uh, with his family and his six kids, and he's most proud of his marriage with Erica and uh, and credits that relationship to teaching him the most uh, that he has learned in life. It's my pleasure to welcome BJ to the show today. Hello, BJ. Hello, Tim. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, hey, let's start with having you um, introduce yourself. Uh, tell us a little bit of your personal story and where you're born, where you live, and about your family. Yeah. So I was uh, born and raised in Erie, Pennsylvania, um, and uh, by my mom and dad. I had a younger sister, and um, did a great job. Middle class family, about like firmly in the middle, um, and I think that like runs true for me throughout my life. It's a uh, you know, middle of this off the rack suit, 42 regular, like all the way through, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's right in the middle. Uh, but uh, yeah, came up out there, uh, went to a relatively large high school uh, called McDowell High School out there. And um, some of my entrepreneurial roots kind of really even started to bud uh, back then when it was, um, I, I struggled to listen to people uh, when I didn't agree with them in the classroom. And it's like, you need to know this. And I'm like, well, why? And how and how does it work? And you kind of be the kid that pushed um, a little too much where it was like, you know, like, do you have a problem, McKay? Is there like something we need? I'm like, yeah, I just, you know, and then sometimes I just needed to talk because I talk to think and, yeah. you know, in the old classroom style, sit down and just like listen and we'll talk when we tell you to. And I'm like, yeah, the, when I tell you two parts, the, the part that was a struggle. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I grew up, played a lot of sports, um, played a lot of sports. Um, my family's active, active in our church and sports and um, kind of like, uh, interspersed within different groups growing up so it was never like one massive friend group it was kind of a lot of uh trying to find my own way a little bit more independent which is where i found um track and field and pole vaulting which kind of i that's where i got to hang my hook um honestly it was kind of a uh kind of a salvation for me just kind of getting around like like bullying and things like that where i had something to give me some self-confidence and i kind of put all my stock in that yeah. and uh, it was by success in track and field that got me a scholarship to Ball State University, which transplanted me from Pennsylvania out here to Muncie, Indiana, where I'm sitting today and where we chose to raise our family. So four years there, a degree in telecommunications, then a degree in um, uh, public relations and sports performance, uh, not sports performance, sorry, public relations, sports communication. Um, I want to say that right. And then <laughs> um, that, at the latter half of that, I was able to um, become the assistant men's track and field coach at Ball State oh, cool. uh, for the last last year of the program uh, that we had. So it was a glorious existence for one year as a grad student, <laughs> making money, working out most of the day, eating free food. Like, yeah. like, and like I got a paycheck on top of it. I'm like, it's like, I'm like, I feel like I'm stealing from you to, to do this. And I'm flying around with the best athletes. It was a uh, it was definitely not a, a deserved role. I don't think, I think I was pretty young for it, but like when you're managing a bunch of people that were your peers two years before, right. it's an it's sometimes awkward. And I'm sure some of the folks listening can find that that's awkward as well. When you're working and all of a sudden you're the boss 
Yeah. And there was just yesterday you weren't, and now you are. Like, right? how do you navigate <laughs> that that difference? So I definitely stubbed my toe more than I got it right. Um, and then since there, I got into, I thought I'd want to stay into coaching. And I did some homework and I'm like, I'm looking at like maybe Michigan State has an opening in here. And I started thinking, like an entrepreneur would, how much do uh, like average track and field coaches make? And I started looking and I'm like, hmm, huh. <laughs> and I knew I wanted a family. And I'm like, all right. And how do they get raises? I'm like, oh, they get fired or they move. And then they move mm. and then they move. And I'm like, huh. I'm like, well, what, what, what other things are there? I looked in media and then I looked in sales and I looked at average people made in like media, creative sales, other things. I looked at that. And I'm like, wow, what average people make is what the best make <laughs> at this. And I'm like, I've never, you know, it's an alpha minded person. I never thought, well, I'm not average. Like I'd never raised my hand, you know, I'm sure I am in many things, but um, that's when I kind of went off and uh, went back to um, like communications and media got a job at a local organization um, here um, through networking through my professors, which, you know, I encourage everybody to do if um, you're trying to get a foothold. Worked for Rudder Communications for three years, another year from an offspring from Rudder. And then from there, I launched and um, worked for um, a Chris Baggett, who was a founder of uh, Exact Target, his company Compendium Software at the time for a job I was immensely unprepared for, which was <laughs> vice president of sales of about 14 people. Um, so a little, a year and some change, we worked there and uh, had a decent amount of success and met some lifelong friends that now work with me here at Advisa. So when I left there, um, I was scooped up by Advisa a couple months later and, um, and here I stay. It's been, I'm, I'm in my 13 years in the rear view mirror and I'm in my 14th year now there. And then in the midst of doing that, which is part of our story is 10 years ago, like as I was transitioning into my advisor work is when um my business spawned mm. like that's where it was like i'm like hey i need to do this and it was on a trip to virginia to a military contractor yeah. where they asked after a day of training hey you want to go train i said tim i thought that's what we were doing all day and like <laughs> no 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 do you want to do, do do you do crossfit and i'm like what's crossfit and it was there that like i was introduced to um that uh, program and sport with, and then I watched a 55 year old guy beat the crap out of me. And I'm like, I'm a division one athlete. I had this thing. I'm like, all right, I'm going to be fine. And it's like, no, there's levels to this game, kid. And you're not at mine. And it was like, I want to do this. And then, you know, it was more than a couple years. I waited like, oh, someone will open one of these in Muncie and no one did. So I'm like, well, I guess I'm not someone. <laughs> nice. Uh, so tell us about your family you married and I think six kids, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah. My wife, Erica and I, um, we've been married for, uh, I think 19 years now, 19 years. If I get it wrong, she'll let me know. And thank you. And then we have a daughter about to go to college. I have a son who's a sophomore. I hear a local high school, a daughter who's a freshman. And then I have a daughter, um, who is in seventh grade here. And I also have a two-year-old son and a nine month old daughter. So they're, they're great, active, healthy, fun. I mean, it's like we travel together. We do stuff together. I mean, I, I would have brought them here if they wouldn't have been trying to lean in and say hi to you uh, <laughs> while we're there, it's like great fun kids. And yeah, it's a, it's awesome. Have a, like always wanted to have a, like always wanted to have a big family. And I married someone who had similar goals, which is great. Fantastic. So I'm sure with that big a family, there's lots of funny stories. So tell us, uh, is there a, a story your family likes to tell about you that you'd be willing uh, to share with us? I was thinking about that when uh, you prompted me before, and uh, I'm trying to think of a, it's hard to find a story. <laughs> I think I have one that's probably worth retelling. Um, 
I took my dog. I tried to take my kids on uh, before COVID. It was way easier on a quarterly plane trip with dad. Okay. So it was a cool. We get some one to one when there's six kids. You kind of everyone's wearing everyone else's clothes, and it's kind of hand me down. So I'm like, this would be that cool. I work. I travel for work a little bit, so I can bring them with me. And we actually go on a thing. I'm not working. I'm going just for them. Yeah. So we decided, my daughter and I. So I'm like, what do you want to do? She's like, I want to be around dolphins. Like, what if we did a dolphin training thing? So we found one in Key Largo. So we made a thing about it. We went down. And I'm kind of getting things scheduled, and I'm I'm a I'm a big picture. I'm like a visionary strategy level thinker, which makes my weakness details uh-huh. <laughs> and like execution and consistency and execution. So it just came to roost this time. So we got down, everything's set up, and I'm real proud of myself. We get off the airplane, we look, weather's beautiful. You're driving out of there. I think we went in like uh, like February or January, something where it was like garbage up here. Yeah, in Indiana, but down there it was like it's all like it always is. And you get off, and there's the blue water. We drive to the Airbnb we got, and it looks great. We go in, and I'm punching the code in, and it doesn't work. I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm like, why doesn't this work? And I'm like, oh, I got the place the next day. Oh no, <laughs> on there. So it's like, all right, well, I'll get a hotel. And I'm looking at hotels, and like everything was like skyrocket high, and there was no. And I'm like. All right. I'm like, I told my daughter and she's looking at me like, what are we going to do? Like, she's freaking out. I'm like, it's all right. you know, we got a car. It's beautiful out 24 hours a day. So it's like, we're not like, I'm like, where do you park it? And we had a friend that had a place in Key West. We just kept driving two hours down. But like, that's a story now. Like, careful when you go with dad, you might get there and there'll be no place to stay. And I was joking with my wife, like, how do you know, how do you know what to, uh, what to pack? Right. Like when you go and I'm like, uh, like, well, they take money. And I'm pretty sure they have clothes that they would wear there. If I, I'm never really worried about it, but that time it bit me. And uh, my daughter has, holds that over me. Are you sure? Dad, are you sure we're all set up? And I'm like, all right. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so BJ, you, you told us uh, how the business came about. And at what point did you have the confidence that you could run your own business? You, you know, Tim, um, I think the most vulnerable and true answer is I never did. Mm. Like, I don't think I ever quite had it in, in, in a moment. Like I was my, and I think that word comes from my upbringing. My parents are very like, it's almost traditionalist, even though they were boomers. Like it was that kind of mindset where it's like, you get a job, you kind of work your way up. You get into GE, you can just work. It was kind of that mindset where you can just work your way up and work your way up. So it's kind of, I was never wired that way. So I was always rubbing against that. And I'm like, well, who's that person's boss? And who's that person's boss? And then they finally get up to Jack Welch and I'd be like, like, oh, who's his boss? Well, no one. I'm like, I want his job. And she's like, well, that's not how it works. And I'm like, I think I told my mom once. I'm like, well, he was a baby once. Like, yeah, I'm like, I'm like, why doesn't it work for me? What's different about me? And it, so I had like this. Uh, I have probably more risk aversion than you would think for how I was wired. So I struggled with it. I'm like, how do I do this? How do I make it work? Like, I mean, I I, I do really well um, with my consulting, and I still do. So it was like there was something to lose, and. I just found like being middle class is like almost one of the worst places to go from like what you're currently doing to really wealthy or to doing your own thing because you have something to lose. You have a warm head, you have a warm meal, you have relationships, you have something to lose. Yeah. People that have less like, all right, I'm already comfortable. Like, what do I have to risk? If I'm back here, I got it. And the people that have more are surrounded with the network of people that know how to keep more, more. They know how to do it. So you're in this weird (laughs) place where it's like, whoa, I don't want to go down there. And I'm sure like that, but it's going to cost me this, like this level of uh of comfort and security that i had so i i struggled with it all the way to the point where i'm like hey i have a business plan i met with the small business development group i'm kind of going through all the cycles i'm like how do i de-risk this how do i de-risk what don't i know yeah i ran into a couple things one is my confidence didn't increase 
the more doors I open, the more I realize like this is way more expensive than I thought it was. Yeah. There's so much more I don't know. Like I'm, I'm having HVAC conversations and I'm having conversations on like leasing and I have no idea. I'm like, is this a good lease? Like, is this a, do I, I mean, how do I, so I talk, that's pretty good. And that's like this real kind of foggy gray. I had no, like, it was like running around like on a map in a video game with no compass and I'm running around and everything I learned was, you don't know that. And you also don't know that you need that, but you don't know that. And I'm like, I couldn't even put it in order. So I finally got to a point where like through the SBDC, some coaches there, some other things there, I kind of got a framework. I was like, all right, this will work. Yeah. I went to the bank and they're like, we're not going to give you money. I'm like, all right. Now I need to rewind a little bit. It was the second thing. I actually went to my boss, hmm. Heather Haas, who is, we could, we'll probably talk more about later. And I said, hey, um, I need to talk to you. This is an airport. I just mustered up. If I had confidence of one thing and mustering up courage, confidence being like, I don't think it's confidence. I think it's courage. I was scared to have the conversation because I'm about to tell my boss, hey, I want to start a new thing, but I'm going to keep doing this thing. And I think I can do both really well because I wasn't like leaving to start like a tech startup company. I wasn't going to leave. I was right. starting a gym, Tim. Like it wasn't like I was going to go to a gym. And I was gonna have, I'm like, this would be like a fun project. And I get to use a lot of my consulting experience. Like In my mind, I kind of rationalized it all. Yeah. I told her and she said, she's like, you have my full support. Nice. Like you need to do this. And I'm like, that was like, literally that's when my confidence opened up. Yeah. Cause I knew I had the blessing of someone that I am super loyal to. I care deeply about and who trained me and taught me so much that I'm like, if you, if she would have said no, there's a good chance we're not talking today. Right. Like yeah. I would, I wouldn't, I would, it would have been all I needed to say, all right, I tried, I tried this <laughs> and no, I, I did, I did, yeah. I did it. I took it as far as I could. So that was kind of my out. So there was no real kind of like Herculean moment where it's like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to make up. It's going to go just like I thought. But then I got pushed into it. The banks wouldn't give me money. I talked to friends. They wouldn't give me money. And then finally, I just went before I, I think all I had was the LLC, which you pay like whatever, like 60 bucks to get like, and I got that done. And I sold probably 20 to 25 memberships, full paid for a year up front. And then I went back to the bank with that cash. And I said, like, well, you don't have any assets. You're leasing. You don't have all this other stuff. Like, hey, I'll personally guarantee. And they're like, they're looking at me still. And I said, hey, how many buildings? and stoves and ovens and chairs in a restaurant are you going to finance how many hot dogs have they sold how many people walk in their building i'm like i have 25 members to a gym that doesn't exist anywhere but my head yeah like you're worried if i can sell and do this once i have a building and i have coaches and i give me a break and it was enough to give me enough money yeah which wasn't anywhere near what i needed to go back to individual investors to say hey i went through bank due diligence all right we'll give you money it was like this i didn't and i didn't know i didn't know that's how it went yeah like i didn't know that they needed to de-risk and some of them were giving me a little more, but I always asked for um, an amount so small for what I believed, because you never really know that person's total net worth was, that it was almost forgettable. So it was like five grand, 10 grand. Sometimes it was bigger than that, but it was always like, you sure you don't need more? When they said that, I'm like, nope, Tim. Sure. That's all I need. That's yeah. all I'm going to go find some more friends. So that was kind of the, if there was a jump off point, that's the, that's the story. I love it. BJ, tell us a little bit more about the company. What do you guys do specifically and how you help people? Yeah, so um, the Arsenal Fitness, uh, we fa were founded in 2013, so we're coming up on 10 years. And um, we started off as Muncie's first uh, CrossFit affiliate. Muncie CrossFit is like another DBA for what we were doing. And what we did and started out of, like we continue to do it over 10 years, is um, like high-intensity functional group training. Mm -hmm. So when you go into a class, when you come in, there's a whiteboard talk, you get introduced to people, and then there's typically some sort of warm-up that's dedicated to what you're about to do. It's got dynamic movement because a lot of people are desk jockeys that we work with just like me. 
sitting, standing, driving all day. So we're loosening up shoulders and things like that. Then we move into strength, which is some form of powerlifting or weightlifting. That's all, um, it, we call it like earn the barbell style. So sometimes that might not be, oh, I'm throwing a barbell around. I mean, well, if you're 74 years old, Tim, and you haven't, you, you've been sedentary for 20 years, that's not, your experience in that class might be different than sure. the 22 year old kid next to you. So you do strength and then you move in and do something we call, uh, they, they call it the WAD workout of the day, or we call it a metabol metcon metabolic conditioning, which is basically, I, I just basically, Hey, are we going to a are we doing aerobics yet? Are we getting an aerobics class yet? Where's the aerobics? What's the aerobics part of the class where you're doing something over time and there's a little competitive nature to it. And then uh, your heart rate's getting up, you're sweating, you're having fun. And it's a lot like um, sports and, you know, when you're a little kid, middle school or high school, high five people. So that's kind of was our core thing for the first probably five or six years. From there, where we do most of our work now is actually one-to-one -one, uh, personal training, mm -hmm. nutrition coaching. Mm -hmm. And youth sports performance and sports performance. And that goes all the way up to uh, college um, athletes, both individuals and then college programs that we do work for. So it was a, a lot about like learning as we go and, sure. uh, uh, and the constant mindset. I mean, in the meantime, I'm consulting with manufacturing companies, engineering companies and hearing how they're doing things. And I'm like, this Six Sigma process sounds like how everybody should do everything. This sounds like ever like why aren't we setting a target and reevaluate? Why like so we can't yeah, right. borrowing and stealing and advancing? And I'm like, this isn't good enough. This part, well, why isn't anything good enough, BJ? I'm like, no, no, no. The part I'm focusing on isn't good enough. Yeah. This part's good <laughs> enough to get build this much money to provide. Like, I want it to go here. And I think if we learn, so it was a lot of that yeah. learning that we're, to get us where we're at now. When you walk in, Tim, you, we have a robust assessment process to make sure throughout your journey with us, you will not experience pain. You're going to avoid injury both in the gym and outside the gym. And we want to increase your energy to the most degree that we can. So you can go out, be the best leader you can be, parent you can be, son, daughter you can be in the world. So when you're out there and you're not just sore all the time, yeah. telling stories about, here's what I did today. And I joke with my kids. It's like, dad, you put your score in, right? And I'm like, son, I'm 43. No one cares. <laughs> like, it's not about that anymore. It's yeah. about like coming and being the best me. So, yeah. but uh, that's what we do. And uh, we have uh, we have a ten year vision for uh, uh, where we're going, uh, which is even um, obviously like a the big hairy audacious goal you would call it, Tim, for what that might be, which is going to cause a lot of disruption. And we have to once again leave our middle class zone of comfort as a small business to say, hey, a lot of these we got to leave a lot of the stuff behind and drop a lot of the stuff to become what we're going to become. And I use the um, I use the butterfly analogy a lot, where I'm like, hey, you think we're we're awesome right now. All we are is the fastest caterpillar. <laughs> like we need to go in the cocoon. I'm like, do you know what happens? Like I talk to my team all the time. Like, do you know what happens when the caterpillar goes to cocoon? No, they turn to a butterfly. I'm like, no, you know what they do first? They dissolve in a liquid. They cease to exist completely. I'm like, can you know that? And I just joke and I'm like, oh, this is hard. I'm like, you wonder what that feels like for that caterpillar? Yeah. You wonder like, do you think it even knows? It's just kind of going through the motions and then it comes out the other side of, oh, a beautiful butterfly. So I think we're kind of in a, a next over the next couple of years, metamorphosis, but that's what, that's what we do. Yeah. So BJ, share a story where someone pushed you or inspired you that you could do it, even though maybe you didn't think you could and the impact that person had on you. Um, I have a, I have a few names. I mean, honestly, Tim, um, a lot of the people that I, I, I've looked up to the most, I've got a lot of advice from are dead people that wrote books. Yeah. So there's a lot of those people when I couldn't find in my own network, mm. Um, whether it be like stoic philosophers, Christian thinkers, like, um, I mean, how many times have I read uh, Peter Drucker's effective executive? 
like wore it out. Like, I'm like, all right, what do people smarter than me do? Like, what do you, yeah. all right, you've seen, uh, this person seems like they've made it. Like, what, what are they, what's the rule? So there's a lot of those, but at the people that I would thank, I think the first person I think of is um, Heather Haas, mm-hmm. who is uh, the person who, um, we're in a hiring process t- to join our consulting firm. Um, I, she believed in me when other people didn't. And she saw something that I'd even see. It's like, well, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to work with businesses and you're going to consult and you're going to do, I'm like, I've been managing people for a year. Yeah. I'm like, I don't, but I don't, I'm part of the product. That's like you coming to me, Tim, like, all right, Tim, what's the program? Well, it's nothing from you, Tim, nothing your experience are going to know, but I have this, pro- like, that's how I felt. And I'm like, that just feels like, like, I don't have, I don't know what I can do it, but she, she believed in me even through the first three years where it was a struggle a real struggle for me. So she was one where it's like, you can do it. I believe in you. And then she just left to let me go figure it out. Yeah. Like it was like what exactly what I needed. Yeah. Um. Another another person um that I think about is a gentleman named Will Davis. He was a co-founder of Ontario Systems, um, up here in Muncie, and uh, he's a person I I found a little later, but it was like it was a part of my leadership journey where I needed a steady hand. Mm. I needed somebody to be like, just all right. Let's just think about like where this at, and he really taught me through his um, story and his coaching of me, like what, like imbuing what you're doing with your virtue, Mm. like remember like who needs to be doing and showing up like that and having that kind of executive presence or leadership presence is a function of how you live your life every day, no matter what you're doing. And the more authentic that is that you advance it, the easier all this stuff you're frantic about is because it's all leveled out on this playing field that the things you can control happen between your ears and they happen with the time and hours that you have in your day with your two hands. And if that's consistent, it's this constant solid landing place, regardless of the problem. Uh, And the last person I think is uh, when my dad was passing away, which happened a couple, uh, almost a couple years ago now from pancreatic cancer. Um, And my dad was, my dad and mom are, are like very big mentors to me. They're bastions of stability and everything. But when it comes to like starting a business, this was the weird thing. They're like, well, you like, we don't like, it was kind of like I left, I sailed off from, from there. When he's going through that, John, um, who I stay really close with, he's close to my family, he's in his uh, mid-70s right now, was um, just a constant voice in my head reminding me of how much I got this and how much sometimes he looked up to me. And that was always puzzling to me. I'm like, but you made it, man. Like, you've got, like, you're like, you're the sage and you're the guru on the mountaintop. Like, what do you mean you're, you look up to me for what I do? And it was like those kernels that, I don't know, in like an email, one-line email, it's right on my wall over here. Like probably meant nothing. Eh, I should probably tell DJ. Like it probably like didn't even think about it. But to me, it's like still there whenever I'm right. like going through a slump. I can't solve a problem. It's like yeah. DJ. Everybody hates you at the business because of this is what you do. And it's just like, all right, my and I just see those as like, all right, all right. You're not infallible. You're not perfect. <laughs> you're probably screwing. There's probably more things you're screwing up now than you even realize right now. However, you overcome bigger things than the the molehill. Right. That you're making a mountain today. So I think those are probably three that really jump out as it comes to like mentors, as it relates to starting a business, believing in myself and kind of imbuing me with the confidence and perseverance to keep pushing, even though the dark kept getting darker. <laughs> right. <laughs> so keep going, keep going. Are you sure, Tim? Yeah, yeah BJ, I... I'm sure you tell your clients, just keep going. I'm like, I'm yeah. scared. And I can't see, and you keep telling me it's like, and then sure enough, you break through and it's like, it's amazing. Like right afterwards. Yes. It's like, you tell yourself, well, I should have known that. Of course this was going to, it's like, I'm like, dude, yesterday, you didn't feel that way. Yesterday, you were going to close your, yesterday it was like all this, 
like nihilistic thinking about how it goes. And then the next day it's like, of course I was going to get through. Of course, I, I it's remember, like, give me a break. I remember my first year of having this business and, and my coach kept telling me, Hey Tim, it's, it's about being persistent and consistent. And, and uh, I know you're going to get there. And I'm like, how do you know that? And she's like, well, because I know that you're, you're doing all the things you're supposed to be doing. And it's just a matter of time until you, you know, you hit that critical mass or the hockey stick effect. Right. And I'm like, well, I'm paying, you know, I'm paying a good amount of money for her guidance and direction. So I don't see it. I don't believe it. But if she says that it's true, then I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. I, jo- I, you know what I, the label I put on that is outsourced confidence. Mm, oh, I like that. Like, yeah. how do I outsource my confidence? Like, <laughs> why do you pay coaches? Why do you pay Tim? Why do you pay BJ? Why do you pay? I've had fitness consulting firms that I've been with that have given me just treasure troves of information. And I'm like, hey, if we're paying this money, just so you know, we're students, we're listening. Yeah. We're not here to evaluate what they're telling us. We're here to do it. And I have to tell my team that. And I'm telling my team, I'm really telling me. Yeah. Because like, I, I always want to tweak. And I'm like, no, nope, yeah. just, <laughs> yes, sir, Tim. Like, and then go execute. And then yeah. after I execute everything Tim told me to do, then I'm allowed to be creative. Right. <laughs> then I'm allowed to like go. But it's like, if I can't, because you think about like the business, that what makes a business tick. And this is me on like the other side of it. I'm going to have a decade long business. Most CrossFit affiliates don't make anywhere near that long. And we're in that we'll probably get a plaque or something nice from CrossFit, you know, CrossFit's listening. That'd be nice. You know, or a watch or something. That'd be cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like, it's the, it's the unsexy, consistent blocking and tackling that like, I honestly need most of the coaching to stick to because it seems boring. It doesn't yeah. seem dynamic. It doesn't seem interesting. It seems ordinary. I'm like, how's everyone else? <laughs> like, how's like, I mean, but I, I joke with like, with, with, with even new coaches at our gym, we have nine of them now, we'll probably have 11 starting next week. It's like, I'm like, listen, like you're going to look back in a little while and it'll seem a little while. And there's going to be a mountain behind you. Like, Oh, there's going to be a mountain. Like, don't look back. You're going to be making this mountain a couple grains of salt a day at a time. Yeah. So if you keep thinking about that mountain, it's going to discourage you. I just need you to think about the salt. You're walking the salt or walking the sand over and just you put it down and just like drop it behind you just keep throwing it behind you every day just throw the salt just throw the sand behind you and then all of a sudden like I, bj will tell you when to look yeah and i'll know when to do it because it's like <laughs> it's when you've gone into the abyss of your unknowing so far that you're too deep i'm like hey come back out come back out. i can't do it look at everything i'm like i want you to turn around look at your look oh my god who's what is that that is your mountain look at how high it is look at how oh my god i've done all that stuff all right great here we go yep. there's the sand pit and you get them right back on, like you get, you get going. It's uh, but it's like that every one of those pieces of sand, Hey, consistent phone calls, keeping in touch with your um, best customers, asking your best customers for advice, like going all these things that you just right. like, if you just drip drop them through over and over and over again, your top line keeps going up. And then you keep having the accounting bean counting meetings, which by the way, are most hard for me. If you can't tell, <laughs> I'm like the top line guy yeah. and I like the big vision, but it's like, Hey, if you keep spending more than you make, this doesn't work. Dude. You know? And it's like, all right. And then you just, you listen. I joke my, uh, another one of uh, my mentors. I mean, this is self, this is the self-made is a myth um, conversation is like my bookkeeper, Jackie Christ is like my secret weapon. She has like a literally a stamp with my signature on it. And at times <laughs> during these stretches, I'm like, I, I'm paid last. And I go to her and say, Hey, so how's it going? Can't pay you this month. And I'm like, okay, like, can't like what, whatever, yeah. like it's coming. She's that one. That's like, I actually like dotted line report to Jackie in my own business <laughs> because I'm like, I don't have that part of my brain. I don't think about conservation. Yeah. I think about opportunity, but it's like putting that team together 
that really levels me out where I can stay in my lane. And then my ego has to take a downside. Like, Hey, listen, like that's their control. We have to delegate that authority, which means authority to me to this person or else I'm wasting their time and I'm wasting my money and I'll just go keep screwing it up and be average. Is that what you want ego? And it's like, (laughs) yeah, but it's a battle because your ego keeps telling you, well, I think we could spend it. Oh, let's like, no, no, no. She said, no, we're not doing it because we care about her (laughs) and she's smart over and over again. BJ, we know that business success doesn't happen in isolation. So tell us about one of your challenges over the years and maybe another business owner who came alongside you and helped you get through that. Um, so early on, um, in like in the, within the first couple of years, I actually had a, a co-founder and like, it was a partnership and we ended up separating and it was pretty messy. Like it, I mean, and for me, I'll, for my part, which I can own, like, I didn't really even know how to do that. Like it was a moral function of just ignorance. Like I, how do you do, I know it needs to happen. I knew that. Yeah. Like, but I don't know how it does. So it just got ugly because it, I, it was his first business. It was my, it was just a lack of comp. Like no one knew how to do things. And it got, um, it got uglier because one party assumed the other party did know what was going on. <laughs> right. And it was like, no, neither party knows what's going on. That's why this is tough. Yeah. So after that, I mean, we went through a few cycles where the fact that the business even existed for even a three year stretch was a, a miracle. Like I was paying people out of my own checking account just to keep the wheels on the bus to try to turn mm-hmm. the corner. I had, I probably took out too many loans to start it because I wanted visionary guy. Like it's got to look yeah. like this right from the get go. Yeah. Like I, I like bought that myth and I just literally wholesaled into it and I pay, I paid for it. <laughs> I paid for that education, probably more than my kids will pay for college. I paid for it <laughs> and I didn't even, which was unnecessary. I guess it was necessary for me because I'm like, a, it was like, I needed a blunt force instrument to, yeah. to get me. So it was at that time, I think that's where I met. Um, I, I ran into Will Davis, who I talked to about before. You know, he had founded, grew a company right here on Muncie that was extraordinarily successful, more successful than I think we'll ever be become. That was that guiding hand, that steady hand that came in. I think the Small Business Development Center at different times, when I came back in, I mean, this was like, they literally have a trail, trail of tears of these stories of like people. And I'm like, hey, like, what do you do here? And yeah. they would redirect my energy because I didn't have any place to go um, right. on that. And I think um, further down, after I got out of that pit, and then my, even like my, my Heather Haas and my, our, our, our uh, chairman, Bob Wilson, were, were great helping me. I'm like, I'm running into some things here. Work me through it. Just kind of lifted me up through it um, yeah. as I went back into the battle. But later on, we got stagnant as a business. We were good enough mm. to look like, all right, you're legitimate, good enough. And for a while, that felt good. Yeah. Because everyone's getting paid. I was getting paid. All the yeah. girls are getting paid. And I'm like, this is like, the, we made it the promised land, everybody. <laughs> for a while, you're like, that's enough. But then it's like things got stale and inconsistent and there weren't really good policies and workbooks and like mm. scaling, like none of that was left because it was literally like, it was like, I was so just relieved sure. to be past that, that like, and I didn't have anybody like you, Tim, in my ear. All right, here's what you got to do next, BJ. I didn't have an interval 90 day meeting. I didn't have right. a month to month meeting where someone was like, all right, great. You've had a couple months to enjoy that. You've had six months, like whatever it was, yeah. someone to get me back on. You're like, you're the visionary. You need to bring there was nobody there. Yeah. So when that got stale, um, we worked with um, uh, a coach out of um, Ann Arbor. Um, his name is uh, uh, Doug Chapman. He's brilliant. 
programmer has coached a lot of CrossFit Games athletes. And like we leaned on him for programming, like product. If you think about where that would fit for other people, like product, how do I make my product better? Go outside the world, my community I live in, find somebody doing at a level far beyond ours and get as much of that brought in and imbued into what we're doing. That was one. And even more recently, within the last uh, few years, we um, synced up with a group called Active Life. And that's they're out of Long Beach, New York. And we um, spent a lot of money for us at the time for council that like brought us in with other gyms around the country. And I think they might even have some international that are aspiring to lift out of the same thing. So finding a, those people that are on that next two or three levels on the ladder was the hunt. Because somebody as good as me, I'm like, well, I already know how to be this good. Yep. Lesser, it's like I'm in a coaching. Well, it feels good. feels good to coach those people. But like, I don't know how much I'm growing. But finding those people not way up here. It's like, oh, you want to be rich? Just read Warren Buffett's books. I'm like, that's not going to get you rich, man. <laughs> right. Why? I'm like, he's worth $65 billion. Like, you, you have a hundred grand. Like, it's, I needed that next two rungs that they still felt. They were still remember yeah. in their veins what it was like to be here. Yes. And they can really articulate those next couple rungs up there. Um, they, I mean, the investment we made there, which is substantial, still pays us dividends. Yeah. Awesome. So that kind of leads into this last question. Jim Rohn says we become the, average of the five people that we spend the most time with. So as you think about that um, and reflect on business owners who believe that they should do it on their own or they're, you know, they're, they're, they are doing it on their own. What advice would you have for them? Um, I think the first one, I, I, the first question I would ask them if they're sitting in front of me is like, well, how's this, how's it going? Mm. You know, or like the Dr. Phil style. How's that working out for you? Yeah. <laughs> Odds are, if you're even talking to you or you're talking to me, Tim, we probably know the answer to that. There's a couple things. It's I have too many placemen. There's too much going on. I know what to do to grow. I have no time to do it. Um, everyone around me is an idiot. If it's not me, no one could do it. Like, it's like, I can't get good people. And I'm like, it's like a lot of this, it's it's stuff. And I just, it's a function of, I'm like, it's a, a, a certain lack of self-awareness. And that's mired in ego. And it's, I say ego, but like people think of ego as this prefrontal cortex, you can see ego and you just let it own you. That's not how it works. Ego rests and loves to sit in the subconscious and just lurk and tell you, you should be able to do it, Tim. You should, you don't need that person. You do it. Don't listen. You don't need it. It's the ego because in someone wired to be an entrepreneur, to be a business owner, like that's kind of the, almost like the old school work style where so you get in at 6 a.m. and you don't leave until the last. Yeah. It's the same like specter lurking in the background. So I tell them and it's like, you know, what's missing? And I, I would basically start asking them and start like, all right, like, let's let's build some criteria. If this, if then, if what, what's going to happen? And then listen to their cycle of either resentment or excuses that cut them off to realizing that reality and say, huh. You think, and then when you break it down, you go into the top five people. And you, you think there's anybody that knows just like this that there's six lanes or six things that they said aren't happening? I'm not making as much as I should. I don't have as much time as I should. I'm stuck in the book. Like whatever their thing is. Yeah. It's like a different like pie chart with different, but it's the same stuff, just different segments based on who you're talking to. Yeah. Like, do you think there's somebody that knows something about that that you could probably bring on, consult, like have a fractional accountant, like which was what I did? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there probably is. Well, well, what would your life be like? Let's go to the other end. They are do that. What would they be doing? And all of a sudden, like the job description comes up and like, all right, you've lightened that load. How much time and energy do you buy back? Yeah. Oh, I could do this. This or stop right there. Let's go to the next one. Like yeah. you just keep going down to the point where it's like, literally you could outsource a hundred percent of everything you complain to me about on paper. <laughs> like you can't because 
you got to pay those. You know what I mean? If there's no cash flow, or whatever, but like that's the air we breathe. It's there, but it's like now it's like I can you can help I can help them prioritize the top two or three, which means you have to go in, you have to sacrifice your ego yeah. and say, Hey, I don't know how to do this. I am not doing this part well. I need to realign and like and then you align. There's fractional people for 250 bucks a month. There's fractional people for 15 grand a month. How big's your problem? Yeah. Like what's going on? And if you're by the way, if you're bringing in less than 50 grand a month and you have a $15,000 a month problem, there's other things we probably need to talk about where it's like, what are you, what did you do? Who sued you? Like what happened? Like it's uh, but I think that's kind of like, that's, those are the type of questions that I think help me. Yeah. When I was asked, cause when I, when you're in that pit of despair, everything seems frozen. Yeah. It seems like I can't move. So like I, I everything you're telling me, Tim, I understand. I logically understand. It sounds beautiful. Yeah. That sounds great, but here's why I can't. And here's why this person won't let me, or here's why these employees, you start rationalizing your employees. It's like, and I'm like, great. It's like, it's the same thing. You're frozen in place. How's that working out for you? Like they, I, at some point, anybody you coach or anybody that would come to me for coaching, like they have to be ready to be self-aware or it's a waste of time. Yeah. And they have to re be ready to detach. You have to detach from at least like one little pinky finger, Tim, off of <laughs> one of these things so that we can start paving this path to see like, see? See, this, right. does, you're starting to feel better. Even then you get that first half hour and a week back. That yeah. one time, like at the end of a week on a Friday, they get back and I'm like, and like, hey, tell you, what was the victory last week? Man, you know, on Friday, I typically left at five. I left at 4.30 because like the bookkeeper, da, 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 and I didn't have to do it. And I just like yeah. left. I'm like, snapshot that. <laughs> How'd that feel? Yeah. Great, uh, great. Like, great. So what do we need to do to make sure we still have that half hour next week? It's just like, Bill, once that road starts, it's so much easier to advance as a small business owner. Yeah. And a mid-sized business owner. And man, I Tim, in my consulting, I see organizations without strategic plans, mm -hmm. without processes that are in the hundreds of millions that you're like, how? It's, <laughs> and when you tell that to someone who doesn't know, who maybe hasn't gone down the roads that maybe we have, they it's unfathomable to them. Right. <laughs> it's almost like that, like when we, when I talk to my kids about a pro athlete and how I can see that some are being uh, financially irresponsible and it's going to get them. And there's others that being are, and I try to show them they're both really good at basketball. However, I want you to know that this person is going to be a generational wealthy beyond this. And it seems like this person is going to be irrelevant publicly and broke likely, <laughs> like very soon. Yeah. And they just watched. I'm like, hey, remember when we were talking about so-and-so? Yeah. I'm like, it turns out like, you know, they work at this place now. They work there. They work there. I'm like, guess where LeBron James is working? It's, it's like, who do you surround himself with? What advice did he take? I think- it's it's all it's true right down to us that like well they have everyone that's there is better than me knows more than me has their stuff together and i i mean that one quote that come to mind i can cap it with this on this part tim is um there's there's two stories one is um uh the gentleman uh, uh f scott fitzgerald wrote the great gatsby if i'm if i'm correct he said he's like the thing about i think it's the opening line the thing about rich people is they're different than you and me and his friend ernest hemingway immediately made fun of him. He's like, yeah, they have more money. <laughs> it's kind of like, they're not special. It's like, they suck just as much as you and me. They question themselves. They're as depressed and lonely. It's like, it doesn't change anything other than the numbers on your bank account, your little chase app or whatever you're looking right. at. And the second story was uh, one I got from a, a book that Ryan Holiday wrote. He's like popular writing about the stoic philosophy. The ego is the enemy. It's from uh, still, the stillness is the key. And um, Kurt Vonnegut, Indiana guy, um, and, um, gosh, who was the other guy? It was Kurt Vonnegut and another author. It'll come to me. 
they're at they were invited to a palatial estate of this like he calls him a boring billionaire where they're looking at all this stuff and Kurt Vonnegut's like uh no the guy who wrote Catch 22 is who he was with okay. whose name is, is still escaping me he's like man he's like he's like can you believe all this stuff and he's like he's like yeah I got something this guy will never have he's like oh yeah what's that he's like the knowledge that I have enough oh <laughs> and it was like that's kind of the counterpoint to like where's the wealth it's like you know sometimes when i'm in that pit and i'm in despair i'm not recognized what i need to be grateful for and what i have accomplished other times you get over your skis and you think your success has a lot more to do with you than it actually does i'm great and i mean i've coached ceos and i'm like yeah am i re- are they ready for the question is this happening because of you or in spite <laughs> you know it's like once you start seeing how things are working yeah and then when you get a recession it's there's a dip or a market shifts and everything else it's like i i joked i was on a board that went into massive duress and all the board members left and they were left like everyone's surly we're in like a bottom room and i'm young at the time i had no idea what i was doing there i, I think i had one line of wisdom I'm like well there's one good thing why we get to all learn if we're actually good leaders or not because <laughs> yes. there's nowhere to hide it's like at this point like this is what a leader's supposed to do before it's like hey there's money coming in the not-for-profit's doing great it's like great yes. i'm on a board it's like what am i even doing am i am i helping here tim like am i doing but when everything goes away and there's like six of you and there were 20 guess yeah. what are you prepared did you have a coach do you know how to handle these who are you going to call when you can't call anyone else it's like i think that like small business owners that are stuck and even mid-sized business owners that are stuck it's like they don't, for whatever reason, they're on a skip track that doesn't get them on that phone. That doesn't get there. They don't know who to call. Yeah. And the ones that got, I mean, God bless you, the ones that go on to Google, business coach. Yeah. Like, like that just go out and just throw, throw a ringer out there. I, had a, I, had a, I did that for a life coach when I was going through some struggles. Yeah. Found one off of Google. Well, who'd you, you probably use this. You probably want a book. And I'm like, yeah, Google typed in my problem. Dude in Indianapolis <laughs> came up. I'm like, wow, he seems like good. And he was, he was great. Like I'd still consider him a friend and he did a great job. So. <laughs> BJ, you've uh, been blessed with some incredible people uh, in your life and on your business journey. If they were all here today uh, on the show, what would you want to say to them? Um, I mean, obviously the biggest is like all caps. Thank you. And I think what I would thank them for is um, fostering belief in me that I didn't have in myself um, for their patience in like my stupidity, (laughs) especially when I was like hard headed and I didn't listen. And I came back with my tail between my legs like, yeah, it went on you said and they but they didn't punt on me because I didn't listen (laughs) to them. I think that's a big one. Um, And. I think, I think that I, you can extend the patience, but it's like, I think it's like the compassion. Mm. Like I'm not, I don't have a lot of self-compassion. I don't foster like my self-talk tends to be, you can do more, push harder. There's a lot of that in there that's got limiting returns. If you don't want to be like the horse from animal farm yeah. and to work yourself to glue, um, that's got limiting returns, but they like the, for the times they told me to slow down, mm. take a vacation. Hey, what would it be like if you took three weeks off? Could you do it a month? Could you like these challenges? I'm like, I thought we were talking about growing, right? <laughs> I thought we were talking about like, what are we, I'm, I'm confused. Like I'm not tired. It seems like you're tired. I don't feel tired. It's like working with me and being patient with me throughout that. And that's like another name right now that's in my life that is a executive coach. His name is Jim Struck. I don't know if you know him. Mm-mm. Yeah, but no, Jim, he's probably the best of the best as far as I know. Um, he is like the epitome of that voice in my head. That's just like there. And I'm super grateful for him. And he never lets me. And I think the other thing is they never, 
for the ones that corner me mm. in my own BS and never yes. let me escape. Like they love me enough to pin me all the way into the corner yeah. and say, like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to let you out of this one. Cause like you, you, this is the moment Yeah, you need to be aware of this. This is the moment you have to own <laughs> this thing. And I think that most people around me, uh, most family, if you think about, it, if you're listening to this, like business, friends, family, employees, everything else, they will mostly be nice and kind. And they'll rest in your zone of comfort or they will be your focus because they're mad at you, quote unquote, you about something that takes your attention. Very few are those people that love you enough to corner you and say, hey, you can do better than this. This is beneath you. You can do you can like pushing you there. And it's like I have not made that easy for those people. (laughs) That's what I would say. Amen to that. (laughs) BJ, it's been a pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you so much for being on the show. No, you're very welcome. It was an honor to be invited, Tim. Thank you. To everyone who tuned in, thanks for listening to the Self-Made is a Myth show with your host, Coach Tim Campbell. Be sure to help spread this movement by liking the show and posting about it on your social media. And to join our movement, go to bemadtogether.com. All right, folks, that's a wrap. Make sure to pay it forward and we'll see you all next time. Take care. <laughs>